This week's episode is brought to you by Playtime Engineering's Blit Blocks and Blit Blocks After Dark. These are where toys and synths collide. These are these are synths that little kids, like four and up, can play with and have a lot of fun and actually make music. They're not like those little keyboards that you get at Target where like if you buy one for your niece and nephew, it's kind of like a, a jab to your, your sister or brother. <laughs> like, haha, deal with this. This actually makes music. Um, and it has all the tools that a basic synthesizer has. It's got some delay, it's got a filter, it's got a tempo knob, it's got a VCA on it. There's just really cool modulation routing you can do. There's a kick and snare button. Um, yeah, and you can hear me, I'm using the sound freak button a lot in this patch that I made with it. There it goes. Um, yeah, it's just super fun. I brought it to the Father's Day uh, celebration with the in-laws a few weeks ago, and it was a massive hit. And I, uh, I conned my, uh, my nieces and nephews into recording some performances, and I'm working on that video, and it's going to be super adorable. Um, but yeah, if you have uh, a kid in your life who you want to kind of get into synthesis, this is the place to start. I, three of the kids, three of my nephews and nieces were super into it. So I feel like the odds are good that at least one of them is going to turn into a synth nerd. And I will be so happy if that happens, and I will be forever indebted to Playtime Engineering for that. The Blip Blocks and Blip Blocks After Dark. Link in the show description. Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held and I'm very excited to bring you this week's chat with Margot Blue. Margot has an album that was recently released on the IUE record label curated by the legendary Panic Girl. Um, and it's an excellent album. And we're going to talk a lot about that album and Margot's backstory. Um, we have a lot in common. It was a really fun chat for me. Um, and I just really, really, really dig this album that she released. So check that out. Link in the show description. We're going to get into that chat here in a moment. But first, I have some news to update you on about our lovely little synth shop here in Seattle called Patchworks. They have a new space. And boy, oh boy, are they and me? How do you say it? They, they, they and I <laughs> Oh God! And Margot's like, she's like a creative writer, and like I can't speak during the intro to her episode. I can't even speak the language. The only language that I am in, I. All right, you get it. Patchworks, moving locations. So this this change of venue is an expansion, really, into new headquarters. So much more space. The new showroom is ready to display even more modular synths, drum machines, and recording gear. So the store is going to close its Seattle East Lake location on Monday, July 12th, and reopen at its new location at 4129 Stoneway North in Seattle, Thursday, July 15th. Online orders will still be accepted and processed, but please just be patient for they may slow down during the moving process. But they're only going to have their doors closed for like three days. This new space is going to be so cool. I, I've seen pictures. Um, you know, Patrick's has always had shows and workshops and stuff, but this new space is going to bump that up to the next level. So if you are from Seattle, get excited. If you're coming to Seattle soon, get excited. And if you weren't coming to Seattle, well, maybe you should. And speaking of coming to Seattle, I'm back, baby. I'm 
back from the East Coast, and uh, I have so much to tell you. But next week's episode is actually going to be the live podcast that I did in New York, so I'm going to save it for then. I will say just one thing. I am so happy to be back in the Pacific Northwest climate because uh, the East Coast in summertime is a hellscape of humid, swampy, hot, hot, hot humidity. It's too much for me, you guys. But it was worth it because uh, I, I went to a lot of a lot of great places, hung out with a lot of great people, a lot of cool things to share. Um, but I'm already late on this episode because I just got back and blah, blah, blah. I don't need to tell you about my woes. Um, just that we're not going to have a product demo this week. We're going to get straight into our chat with Margo. Buckle up. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. Okay, so Margot Blue, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so excited. Absolutely. I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, I was introduced to you by uh, Martha from, you know, of Panic Girl fame and IUE Records. Um, And she she sent me a message and said, you have to listen to this album. You should totally talk to Margot. And so I started listening to the album and followed you on Instagram. And before we get into music... Let's talk hiking and camping, because I feel like you and I have a shared love of the outdoors and mountains. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I'm very inspired by nature, and I love hiking. And for a while, I lived in Chicago, Mm -hmm. where, you know, actually, there's not a lot of nature. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I moved back to L.A., I really wanted to take advantage of all the beautiful hikes we have around. So are you from LA? I am. Yeah. Okay. And then you moved out to, did you move out to Chicago for grad school or? I did. Yeah. And before then I was living in Santa Cruz where I got my undergrad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I definitely want to talk to you about that in a moment, but that's kind of funny because I grew up in Washington state and then I moved to Michigan for grad school and it was that moving away that really made me appreciate the mountains here in Washington. You know, I've, I always loved them. I was, hi- I was hiking and camping before that, but moving away for a few years really solidified how important it was for me to, to just have them in, in view. I can see three active volcanoes from my apartment, you know, like <laughs> I, I need that on the horizon. So did you, that's, it's funny that you mentioned like going out to Chicago kind of like it's, it's, I don't know. I, I share that like it, it just, it shakes something up inside of you and makes you really appreciate where you, where you come from and what you have or something. I don't know. Absolutely. I definitely feel that. Yeah. When we were in Chicago, I was like really craving nature and the closest like national forest I could find was in Michigan, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so we drove all the way out there and were a little bit underwhelmed. But, yeah, 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 same here. I mean, I went up to like Manistee. I never made it to the UP, which I hear is really gorgeous. Um, you know, and it's it's just a different kind of nature. Um, and I can see what what you get, what you find yourself in, is what I like to kind of like that subalpine high, um, even some of the high desert stuff, which we have a little bit of here. You guys definitely have the better mm-hmm. high desert out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, what did you study in college in grad school? Yeah. So in my undergrad, I studied modern literature. Okay. And then in grad school, I got a master's in the humanities. 
mm-hmm. um, but basically studied a lot of like comparative literature and literary okay. theory. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So you're, you've always kind of had a creative mind, it sounds like then. Yeah. You know, I really like um, critical theory and literary theory just because it's kind of a blend of, you know, studying literature, but also studying the conversations around mm-hmm. literature and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So what are, I don't want to put you too much on the spot. <laughs> so what, like, is there an, is there like a, a an era or particular set of authors that you're really into? Yeah, I think it, it changes a lot, but in my master's program, I studied a lot of Kafka Oh, cool! And you know German literature, and kind mm-hmm. of you know read a lot of a theorist called um, Agamben. Okay. And he's kind of like a political theorist, and kind okay. of thought a lot about you know the law and society and things like that through the lens of literature. Wow. Okay. And with how things have been going here in the states, do you find? Well, I'm kind of setting you up to answer a question. Hold on, let me start over. I found that I was reading some stuff from that that was very old that seemed to be kind of still applicable to what's going on here in the United States, and it really bummed me out that it was. You know, mm. do what you were find, you reading? Uh, James Baldwin, for mm-hmm. one. Um, just how, like the the fire next time. Just how like it could have been written, you know, last summer. Mm-hmm. you know, during what was everything that was going on. Um, and I was reading some, I forgot what it was. It was some rules for radicals. It's, it's like a, it's, it's, um, I forgot who wrote it, but it's like a, it's a book from the sixties as well about how to like be an activist. And it was all just like, Oh, we should be like, this shouldn't be applicable. This should feel dated to me, but it just didn't feel dated. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that happens with kind of some of the older stuff that you read? Definitely. Definitely. I think, um, You know, one of the things I was reading about a lot is this idea of the state of exception, which Mm -hmm. seems very current. And it's one of Agamben's theories, but it's basically that um, like a sovereign power or government has within it the ability to suspend their power in states of exception, like terrorism or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like a crisis. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, like I really studied that idea and then you know, we had Trump. (laughs) Yeah. And so it just, it felt very current at the time. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. just, do, is there any hope? I guess, I guess that's the ultimate question that I have for you. Make me feel better about it all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So when does music come into play in your life? Yeah. So, um, you know, I have kind of an interesting path with music where I didn't study it for like formally Mm -hmm. as a youth. Um, but when I was in my master's program, I got like a little Yamaha CP. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 The little like 37 key. Is it, wait, the, the CP reface or whatever that has yeah. like the cool re that I love that thing. Yeah. I think yeah. that thing is so powerful for its size. Like the Wurlitzer mm-hmm. and Rhodes sounds you can get from it. And that delay and reverb is so much fun. Oh, it's so nice. And I really loved it's like portability, but you know, I had never studied piano or anything. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, I had a little bit of like academic burnout a little bit because there's like, there's a lot of pressure to be, you know, the best and to know everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you constantly are kind of fighting that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of was really drawn to music as a way to get out of kind of my fixed mindset. 
mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of the idea that you only approach tasks that you know that you're going to be good at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I started playing chess a lot and I started just fiddling around with the piano and making loops. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, I love kind of grew then for music. Okay. So mm-hmm. you, all right. So you, I, I'm assuming you've always loved listening, but playing came mm-hmm. later. It did. Yeah. I was kind of, um, really obsessed with finding music kind of my whole mm-hmm. life. You know, like I've, I've really loved listening to music and I love when you find an album or an artist or even just a genre that's new and you can kind of like live in that feeling. Yeah, totally. You know? I'm the same way. Yeah. Can yeah. you maybe give me an arc from like, is there t- like, is there anything from your childhood or what's kind of an earliest thing that you can remember that grabbed you where it was, where music went mm. from the background into like, okay, I yeah, love this. I, I, um, I remember being in like elementary school mm-hmm. and, um, the iPods, like, the little ones came out like uh-huh. the nanos and things like yeah. that. And I remember the experience of like sitting in my room at night in my bed for the first time, listening to my iPod and mm-hmm. thinking like, this is a moment, like what song am I going to pick? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I think I listened to, um, fool on the hill by the Beatles. Okay. And just kind of like sat there in the dark and it was such like a riveting experience just to have mm-hmm. music like in my ears in that way accessible you know repeated (laughs) right 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 (laughs) Mm -hmm. so how do you go from fool on the hill to you know getting into modular like are you the type of person this is how i am and i'm 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 curious if it's similar because we've had a lot of similarities already in the last few minutes but like if i find a new artist i kind of do a deep dive and want to listen to everything that they make to make sure that I'm not missing anything that I loved as much as the initial thing that got me into it. And I'll kind of like hang out in that space for a while. I tend to like go into real deep dives on usually artists or like small areas of a genre or something and then mine it for all I can, all it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do the same thing. And I'm also, you know, I'm really fascinated at like, if I find an artist that I really like, I also want to know like who they're listening to. Mm, You know, like I find that really Mm -hmm. interesting. So like in Spotify, I'll look at the playlist that they actually create Uh and kind of, uh you know, kind of like hear and find people out that way. That's really cool. I I haven't done that. I think I'm going to try that. You should. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. I think, I think I'm showing my, I think I'm finally like cross the threshold of like, okay, I'm not like, I'm not the youth anymore. You know, I, <laughs> I've had that experience too. It's a weird feeling. <laughs> it's very, very strange. Um, okay. So did you start like, I'm like, how do you find yourself like the CP reface? That seems like, that seems like something Were you maybe just like, I just want a piano or were you listening to, were you listening to weird looped ambient electronic music or anything by the time you, you dove into that? Yeah, I've always listened to um, lots of different genres of music and Mm -hmm. kind of before even, you know, had like the words to describe different genres, I would sometimes, you know, listen to them and add them just to weird playlists that I Mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. Um, Who's that artist? Like Juliana Barwick? Is that how you say her name? I think so. That sounds familiar. Yeah. So I had like a lot of playlists with like her and some Philip Glass and some weird, you know, kind of experimental music. Mm -hmm. I would really love listening to that and kind of, you know, changed my palette for what I Mm -hmm. kind of like thought music was. Yeah. 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 
that's an exciting time that happened with me with it's kind of actually like really uh uh what's the word i'm looking for basic as the 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 youth would say um like brian eno is like Mm -hmm. It's like with the ambient stuff, I was like, oh, and, and Flying Lotus. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, music doesn't have to be verse, chorus, verse, you know, and that, that cracked my head open. So and that was just mm-hmm. such an exciting thing. Yeah, I find it so exciting. It's really it, great. Do you still look for that? Is it getting harder to find? You know, it's not. I cannot. No? There's always There's always new, exciting music out there. At least mm-hmm. I'm finding. Just because, you know, my knowledge is just wherever my interests have taken me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's whole movements that I, you know, just recently discover kind of like environmental music Mm -hmm. kind of from Japan and places like that. I've gotten really into recently. I think I'm going to have to ask you to make me a playlist. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I'm wondering now if there's any sort of connection between, you know, like, do you, do you, sit down and read or write to while you listen to music. And I feel like the, the kind of music we're talking about might be perfect for certain types of books or writing a certain type in a certain voice or something. Definitely. And even as a kid, I would read like, you know, big fantasy novels and things like that. And I would love to find music at that time, you know, mm-hmm. that would, you know, sound good when I was reading it. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, when I'm studying, I'll listen to music or doing things like that. Can you read or listen to music with with lyrics or singing I can, yeah. I cannot. I can, <laughs> oh, I, I can. <laughs> I think that's how I got into instrumental is like, I just, if there, if there are people are talking, I have, I instantly zero in on what are they saying? What are they talking about? Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It has to be music that, um, I've already kind of like ingested that I know pretty well. That and makes then I sense. I can read to it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. So, so you get this CP reface and you're, you're messing with that. Like, I have to imagine that the effects on that maybe started luring you into like, what mm-hmm. else is out there? Cause totally. like those, de- I love playing with the delay and reverb on that. It's, it, it's so simple, but it seems like you can actually do quite a lot with manipulating mm-hmm. the sound and getting some cool feedback loop stuff going. And yeah, it's really fun. And kind of around that time I started playing with like VCV rack Oh, cool! and kind of, you know, some VST plugins and kind of learning about synthesis that way. How do you get introduced to that then? Like, do you know people who are into modular or, you know, like, cause I feel like going from just like a, a portable keyboard, which is really cool. I can't say it enough. I love that keyboard. Um, but going from there to, to VCV rack is a huge leap. It seems like. Yeah. It was a lot of like YouTube tutorials. Um, my boyfriend, we both got really into it. So it was kind of like a shared kind of passion at night. We'd kind of like, you know, fiddle around and then show each other like what we patched. Oh, that's so cool. Things like that. Yeah. That's awesome. What you guys got into it at the same time then? We did. Yeah. Yeah. That is so fun. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. I've tried to get my wife into modular. I even like built her a little like 84 HP setup. I was like, come on, come on. And it didn't take. And then I bought her a Theramini. And that mm. was kind of cool, but I just don't, I think she just likes to listen to music. I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop, I'm gonna stop <laughs> pushing music on, you know, although we did just get a melodica and she thinks that's pretty cool. So I'm hoping, oh. fingers crossed. But. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, me and my boyfriend, we've had like a really special relationship just because before we even got together, we were friends for, you know, maybe like four years. Oh, cool. And we're kind of really good creative friends together. Oh, nice. That's yeah. awesome. 
so we'd like paint and we'd hike and we'd do things like that, that it felt very natural to kind of like collaborate and, you know, kind of create music together whenever we felt like it. That's so cool. So did he get mm-hmm. into modular as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you guys he was probably maybe like more your... into it than I oh, was really? in okay. the beginning, you know, like uh-huh. he maybe had a little bit more of the technical knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then kind of once we started building our system more, I just got like really, really fascinated by it, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a, uh, do you guys share like a mm-hmm. system? Okay, cool. Yeah. Is that, does that like, is it ever kind of like, Hey, can you like just record this and unpatch it so I can play with it now? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I know it's funny. Cause sometimes, you know, like we jam every night together, you know, pretty often we jam uh-huh. together and just kind of, you know, see what happens. Sometimes it turns into like a house jam. Sometimes I take control and it's just like a 30 minute drone piece, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but one of us will normally kind of step up and say, you know, I'm going to be the art director, you know, of this track. So, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. yeah. you probably get to a point too, where it's kind of like almost unspoken where it's like you start taking the lead and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's so cool. A good, a good, uh, creative partnership is, uh, is something to be uh, cherished really and not taken for granted. I think, um, I think I got lucky when I was a kid, you know, all my best friends in high school, we played like we were in a metal band or, you know, like, (laughs) and it was just so much fun. And I just kind of thought that that's what being a musician was like. And then once I, you know, went off into the world and started finding new people, I I realized like finding somebody to like really groove with and really connect with and, and, and have a good working relationship is, is, it's not just everybody who's a musician. Like you have to have more in common than that. So that sounds like you guys have a pretty, I mean, if you're playing music every night, that sounds so many people are listening right now and being like, fuck, I wish I had that. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Yeah. I don't take it for granted. (laughs) Do you guys ever play shows live like together? No, I've um, not yet. At least I think that, you know, we've talked a lot about how we would, kind of design our system to be played live and kind of different ways that we both would find that fun. Um, Craig, my partner is thinking about, you know, getting a drum machine or something fun. Cause he's really into drums. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Some good, like external gear that has maybe some CV options could be really fun or something. Like yeah. That. What size cool. system are you guys sharing right now? Um, I think it's like a hundred, what is it? 104 or 108. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little system. We haven't filled it out yet. I've been very kind of meticulous with what I add to it. Also, Mm -hmm. you know, modulars expensive. Very. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) That's a huge barrier. Um, but you know, some of the DIY stuff is, is rather Mm -hmm. affordable and, and can be pretty fun. Um, so I want to talk about recurrence and how you got hooked up with Martha and everything. Um, but yeah, let's just kind of like the seed of making an album. Like, was that always kind of the intention once you started getting into modular or were you just kind of getting to a point where you were like making enough stuff to be, Oh, I could do this. Like how did, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, you know, it was a hard process when you've never made an album before. Mm-hmm. And it basically started with, I found the modular community online and kind of on Instagram and YouTube and kind of mm-hmm. wanted to share, you know, with the people that I had connected with. Mm-hmm. And, um, Martha ended up reaching out and offering, you know, for me to release an album on her label and was mm-hmm. a really great mentor with it and kind of 
gave me all the time I needed to be able to make it and was incredibly supportive. That's so cool. Yeah. She's an amazing person. She is truly brilliant artist. That last, her new record is just so good. It's so nice. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love, I like, she's a good curator too. Cause everything that she's put out on IUE, including your album, is just all really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so were you just like putting out like videos and stuff and she hit you up and said, Hey, make an album. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That is so cool. So that, <laughs> that must've been like kind of nerve wracking, like, Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, it was. And you know, after she reached out, I was really excited And basically just had a period where I just made a ton of music, a ton of loops, um, generated a lot of content and then spent, you know, a month or two just listening over, you Mm -hmm. know, really in depth to parts that I liked and wondering why I liked it, you know, and I was very careful to like keep the original emotion and the original kind of message of those tracks like intact you know, Mm -hmm. and not like kind of drown them out by layering it too much or, you know, kind of taking away that feeling of modular in it, which is kind of, you know, spontaneous and glitchy, Mm -hmm. you know, and there are these Mm -hmm. kind of beautiful moments when the melody, you know, kind of falls apart and then Mm -hmm. come back, like comes back together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was going to ask if it was multi-tracked because I've seen pictures of your setup and I was like, I feel like this is a multi-track, which I, I don't know that I'll ever do a non-multi-tracked like full length album again. Like I think a stereo one pass is cool, but I just, I just love taking advantage of having like a, like a DAW in a studio, but like, like you said, not, not go too far with it. Um, but yeah, so was every song multi-tracked or like, it feels like it was like, it's right in between improvisation and an intention it mm-hmm. really it really feels like it's balanced in in a nice little nest there um mm-hmm. yeah and that was very intentional you know like there's like on being which is the last song on the album that was just live so that mm-hmm. was just you know like an improvisation that ended up being really beautiful and i kind of didn't really want to add too much to it you yeah. know, I think I added some folly in the beginning or in the end, but besides mm-hmm. that, I just wanted to keep it exactly how it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you do a lot of, um, like you just mentioned folly, like, um, like field recording stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about that too. Like what, <laughs> yeah. what are you, what are you using? Like what's your, what's your, you know, what's your setup? I, I like finding found sounds online. Uh huh. But then I also have like a little zoom recorder and like to go out and, you know, get some sounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun. It kind of changes the way that you um, hear and the way that you think about listening. You know, when you hear that like train whistle, that sounds really beautiful or, you know, the birds chirping outside, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and it kind of does something to your brain where you're like, there's really just music and tones everywhere. Yeah. Definitely. I think field, this is like, I feel a little cheesy saying it out loud, but I feel like after getting into field recording, I can almost like a guy can just lay in bed because we live by a busy road and there's an airport, you know, and it's an apartment complex. So it's, there's always sound. I I could just kind of lay there and listen. And if I just like put my mind in like the right space, like, oh, I'm listening to an experimental album, it can be 
pretty enjoyable actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's something in that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel so grateful for that. And it's, you know, it's fun. And I wonder if you've done this and if you haven't, I strongly recommend it. Next time you go out on a hike with friends or go camping with your friends, bring your, your field recorder set up and just tell them like, Hey, put these headphones on and carry this around and just go explore something. And they're going to be like, I don't know. And then nine times out of 10, their eyes light up and they're like, this is amazing. I got some, I told you, I tried to get my wife into synthesis. I couldn't do that, but she is super into field recording. So <laughs> like when we go out into the like camping and stuff, we got a shotgun mic and everything. Um, but have you ever, have you ever been like that to somebody who's maybe not a sound person been like, hey. I haven't, I haven't yet, but that's a great idea. It's so much that. fun. Mm-hmm. Like it, cause then I think a, like a lot of the times, I don't know what it is because it's, it's weird because you're hearing the exact same thing that you would hear if you weren't, didn't have headphones on, but like something about being able to be in, have like a lot of intent, intent, especially with like a shotgun mic, like pointing it at things. And, mm-hmm. um, I just, I love watching people's eyes light up when they, when they hear that. Um, <laughs> in fact, I, I let my, like my little niece walk around and just like watching, you know, like this 10 year old walk around and just like where they decide to point it and everything is, is pretty, it's pretty fun. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah. Let me know how it goes. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so uh, what, what, what do you do? What do you use for like a DAW? How do you, yeah, how do you track I use Ableton. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, man, this is great. So when did you get into all of this? You know, um, I started building my system at the beginning of the pandemic. So Oh really? Yeah. So it's been not a super long time. Like I'm still consider myself, you know, there's a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How 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 long were you using VCV rack before you got into like the hardware stuff? Um, probably like a year or so. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you had like like a good base knowledge to hit the ground running with a, a yeah. system. And I That's got cool. um Behringer's Crave, the semi-modular, mm-hmm. which kind of emulates, I think, like the Mother 32. Uh-huh. And that was, um, you know, even though Behringer is not necessarily my favorite <laughs> manufacturer yeah. now that I, you know, know a little bit more about stuff. But um, it was a great entryway just to play around with it and patch a little and think, wow, I really want that knob to move. Yeah. You know, like, man, right, I right. really wish I could make that decay like a little bit longer or that attack a little bit shorter and have it do it on its own. And uh-huh. those thoughts kind of like really popped up through play and mm-hmm. kind of really paved the way for me creating this system. That's so cool. It sounds like you're, you're like kind of academic and your academic and like analytical mind is very, very connected to your artistic mind. And I'm wondering, do you feel like there's a, a much of a connection between how you approached your academic studies and approaching music making? Definitely. I think, um, you know, when you get a master's degree or just when you're pursuing kind of higher ed, you have to be a little bit obsessed with yeah. whatever you're yeah. studying. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like if you're going to read something for, you know, 40 hours a week, you have to, you have to really be into it. Yeah, and, definitely. um, you know, me and my partner always joke that we can only get better. You know, we have, that's true. Yeah, you know, that's, imagine yeah. us in 40 years, you know? uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. say like lightning in a bottle, 2050, 
which is a festival, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, I've never thought of that like that, but that's that's perfect. If, I've, if I'm ever feeling down about like a patch that I'm building and I don't like or something, like can only get better as you try more. So that's exactly that's awesome. And I think, um, you know, part of it was really for me, at least trying not to use my analytic brain too hard. Like I wanted to learn things about modular and like, you know, like there's a lot of knowledge that you have to acquire, you know, before you can really even start patching. Um, Mm -hmm. But especially when I was just playing piano, like I didn't want to learn like music theory at that time. Like I Mm -hmm. had like a strong thing inside of me that didn't want to learn any of it. Like I didn't want to stand kind of on the shoulders of giants. Right. And I kind of wanted to see like what notes would I gravitate towards? Like as uh-huh. a child, you know what right, I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, what could I create that way? Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. I've I've kind of, I mean, other than learning basic chords, that's pretty much how I've approached music too. I've had so many friends be like, I could teach you music theory in like ten minutes, because like mm-hmm. when I'm jamming, like people are like, we're in, you know, we're in A A major seven. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but just give me <laughs> like five minutes and I'll find you guys. You yeah. <laughs> and I think it also like helps your ear a bit, you know, cause I can Definitely. hear when things work and I can hear when they don't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've also known people who, you know, like, um, I, I dated a, a girl who was an awesome pianist and harpist, mm-hmm. but we couldn't jam because she could only play off of the sheet music. Mm-hmm. And one of my current like collaborative partners right now is, has just kind of over the last like couple of years, because I bring my modular to his house, um, where he has a baby grand piano. I've kind of forced him to learn how to like, Hey dude, like you're a great, great piano player. You, you can do your own stuff. And so it's, it's cool to see like, like a lot of people seem to like be very resistant if they're classically trained to step mm-hmm. outside of that. And I don't know what that is. I, I definitely understand that though, because you know, I loved creative writing as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, and then really pursued writing in kind of an academic sense. And then I lost, you know, a little bit of that passion that I had yeah. you know, for creative writing, just because suddenly, you know, when you have like the penultimate piece in front of you and you're able to understand why it's so great and it's kind of like your brain, there's something that stops that creative flow a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I'm well, I'm glad that you had that kind of awareness going into this like new, mm-hmm. new venture. I wonder if getting into making music and stuff and once you get enough distance away from the academic grind, mm-hmm. if it'll start rekindling your love for like creative writing. Oh, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could see, I could see like, do you like, so do you still write at all or? Yeah, I write sometimes and I, um, you know, I do a lot of editing just for my normal day job and things like that. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. so the day job kind of keeps you tied to the technical side of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I, I totally burned out too. I didn't take any breaks when I was going to school. Like I took, I think I had one summer vacation, but I, I did a field mm-hmm. school or I did summer classes because I was so driven. But mm-hmm. by the time I got all but thesis, I got all my credits done and wrote a first draft of my thesis and started playing in a band. And I just like, I could <laughs> not, I could not be 
like interested. I could not find myself to be interested in, in my academics. Also, when I turned in my first draft, or when I went to my, my, uh, my advisor, tell me how bad this is, if it's as bad mm-hmm. as I think it is. I went to my advisor, you know, towards the end of my second year, I said, all right, I'm going to write my thesis. I want your help. And he goes, you're supposed to be a master. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was our me- that was our first and maybe only meeting about my thesis. Was Oof. well you're supposed to be a master and then the whole department crumbled. So oh, I man. don't have a master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. What were you yeah. studying? Um anthropology uh, uh nice. primate evolution specifically. Very cool. So I actually have a site named after me in Wyoming, a 55 million year old site. Wow. And but it's only named after me because we thought I found the first thing on the ground and he thought it was going to be just some little, like, like they call them an isolate sometimes if it's just one thing. And the night before I was, I was telling all these embarrassing stories from my, my childhood. So he was like, Oh, we're going to call this Tim's confession. And it turned out to be the most productive site that he had found in 10 years of studying in that area. And one of the most productive sites for that, you know, for that like time period in the area. And it like, got into scientific American and everything. Oh like, my gosh. And it's just named after me because I happened to find the first thing. <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. I mean, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like I should just get an honorary thesis for that. But you should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I like to, I like to, it's always exciting when I get um, like somebody who, who comes from academia on because uh, I don't get to talk to too many academics these days. Mm. But it sounds like you're like, I don't want to talk about academics. No, we can. (laughs) I mean, it's always, you know, once an academic, always an academic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So for this album, you you were using that that Yamaha playing. Were you playing Mm -hmm. some stuff live on that? Yeah, and I also use the um, CP kind of as like a MIDI controller as well. Okay, okay. Because it sounded like some of the stuff I was like, I either, you know, she's doing some really really creative stuff with sequencing that I don't understand or mm-hmm. she's playing like, you know, mm-hmm. not like, uh, and oh, how would you say that? Just physically playing it. It's, yeah. it's, it was a real, you, you have a really good ear to blend like, I don't know how to explain it, but it just like the cadence, it didn't feel like a machine was doing it. It felt very mm. human to me. Yeah. I like sequences that are like that a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. I think that What's, there's just something beautiful about that contrast between like the very kind of industrial or like metallic kind of sounds and then also like a very like organic sequence, you know, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. something kind of uncanny about it, which I really like. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like you really, really captured that, you know, like I love that. Like I was saying earlier, is it improv? Is it planned? And is it human or is it machine? Like that's i i feel like that's the real sweet spot with with this format of you know music making technology and yeah you you nailed it Hmm. um i want to talk about the mood of it Mm because some of it's pretty dark yeah (laughs) just some of it (laughs) yeah Yeah, no i mean and a good another good contrast a Mm -hmm. lot some of it's very light and and nice and meditative but some of it Mm -hmm sounds like it gets pretty heavy and I'm wondering how intentional that was and where that came from. Um, was there anything going on in 2020 that could have made you yeah. know, music making? T- <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> no, 
Um, you know, I'm very fortunate that my 2020 year wasn't actually as bad as, you know, other people went through, you know, I was able mm -hmm. to have my job and, you know, secure housing and things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I love heavy music. I love folk music. You know, I love everything in between. And I definitely, I love that moment when a melody or a recognizable tone, you know, or a chord progression breaks down you know, and yeah. becomes kind of noise, but in kind of a soft, beautiful way, you mm -hmm. know, and then kind of coalesces back together. So mm -hmm. in, I think like one of my tracks, like a new routine is pretty dark, you know, it's kind of, it's more heavy and that, that song actually came about because in rings, I had found a patch where it kind of sounded like an electric guitar, mm -hmm. like kind of a distorted heavy guitar in the background mm -hmm. and was just like, really into that for a while and was really inspired by um johnny nash do you know that artist mm -mm. yeah they have a great album i think it's called like passive aggressive or something but it's it's beautiful kind of droney mixed with kind of some high you know airiness to it and i kind of wanted to make my own track kind of like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no, that's awesome i've I was also curious about this because I've, I've written music in the past where I've had people, when I make stuff that's dark, ask me if I'm okay. <laughs> but sometimes when I make dark music, it's not, at least consciously, it's not really coming from a dark place. It's, it's a lot of the times it's coming from me following my ear of what I just sounds, think sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering for you, what is the balance of like how much self-expression versus chasing just timbres is it? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it's a mix of both. Um, I don't always make the like connotation that heavy or dark sounding music has to has to always be dark. Yeah, you know? same here. You know what I mean? Like it can be really beautiful and just have, you know, a lower a lower range. Mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Um but I, I have always gravitated towards music that can kind of, you know, hit that pit in your stomach, yeah. you know, and can kind of make you feel a little something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I think, you know, um, getting people to feel not only just beauty or joy, you know, is part of a narrative. And I think mm -hmm. of kind of an album as a narrative. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like that's something that's, being lost in the, in kind of the, the more popular culture or mainstream culture, but it seems to still be alive in the, the modular community and electronic thing. And I, and I really hope it stays that way, but it's, I'm very into the idea of like full albums that are a piece that all belong together. You know, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a statement. It's a, it's a it's putting a flag in the ground at a particular time mm -hmm. and you know, like, so is is that something that you find important as well or definitely um you know i'm working on another album right now and one of the things i took away from making this first album was that i really wanted my next album to be just super cohesive i think mm -hmm. you know something that you can kind of listen from start to finish it sounds kind of within the same kind of feeling or range you know what i mean Mm -hmm. just because I've found some of my favorite albums do that. Yes. Yes. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Me too. Now, is there, is there a specific, not, not like, 
not like piece of gear, but is there a specific like writing device or, you know, method or key or, or like, is there, is there one kind of through line that you're focusing on for that? Or how are you approach, how do you plan on making that happen? Yeah. You know, I'm still working it out right now. Um, but I really love sequencing with Monom's grid mm -hmm. and metaphysics has been kind of my way of sequencing right now. Okay. And so that's pretty um, constant with kind of the new music that I'm making. And mm -hmm. um, recurrence, it wasn't that way. You know, there were a lot of different methods. And um, I think of recurrence a lot as you get to kind of see the different areas in modular. I kind of, the different techniques or the different processes that I kind of learned, okay. explored, okay. and then kind of, you know, made a different version of that. I can kind of imagine that now in hindsight mm -hmm. when you say mm -hmm. that. I want to listen to it again with that in mind. That's interesting because it still sounds cohesive to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and you probably uh, maybe I feel like you did that timbrely. Mm -hmm. That's what I definitely kept that. I gravitate towards similar sounds. Yeah, you know I love you know F sharp. <laughs> you know yeah, me too. Like that like you know <laughs> your ear just is drawn to it. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. yeah, so that's probably kind of the red thread, you know, yeah. binding it all. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause that's something that's very important to me. And I, I've had this album kicking around in my head for a couple of years, probably actually like three years before the podcast started. Um, and because I started a podcast, I haven't got around to it, but, and it's, it's never been anything but like a feeling like, like a, not even like a, an emotion, like a little bit of an emotion, but there's just, there's like a, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like I'm starting to kind of find it now. And I mm. want to do that same thing as I, I think I have found my through line that mm. I kind of want to use as a device to do this. Now I just need to find the time. I want to hear to... more about that. Sounds <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, field recordings, mm -hmm. um, and, and recordings of, you know, like, places that I love and people that I love and like kind of like granular processing of those in mm. different ways. Um, I, I know granular is like everybody does granular, but I, I've been kind of just like really gravitating to all the different types of glitchy granularization I can find. And I, I want to, I'm starting to find my sound is like, I, I like the idea of pretty and ugly mixed together dark and light scary and peaceful and I've always tried to strive for that and now I feel like I've found the technique that I want to do in that like I, I make a pretty track and I produce it to sound like it's well produced and then I sandwich it with a cloud of ugliness so mm. it's kind of like you can see through to this beautiful thing that's being swarmed by this kind of like aggressive or abrasive thing oh I love that so I don't, I don't know, but again, yeah. it's just kind of all like in my head and I'm kind of getting it out here, but like, I'm, I'm trying to find that balance. Like you said earlier, like you don't want to be, I'm going to, I'm going to take, that's one of the great things about doing this podcast is I get to talk mm -hmm. to a lot of really bright people and I get to like take some of their secrets, but like you're saying, like mm -hmm. make, make sure that you don't get too analytical about it. You 100%. know, hundred percent. Cause I could think about this for three more years and never have an album, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, 
I think your concept though is really interesting because um, you know even in literary theory we have this term called like the liminal space. Uh huh. Uh huh. Have you have you heard about that ever? Is is that like um, is that like the where you're not quite asleep but you're not quite dreaming? It's kind yeah. of like a weird like dis discombobulated but you're kind of conscious but not. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a threshold, you mm -hmm. know. So mm -hmm. in like a lot of Victorian era literature. You know, it would be like standing in the threshold of the house, you know, the door uh -huh. frame between there. Um, but you can think about it in like a binary term as well. You know what I mean? Like you have, um, you know, the, the best example is like man and woman, uh -huh. you know, and uh -huh. for historically, like that space between, you know, that people identify was treated with, you know, fear mm -hmm. or with like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of unknowing. And that's uh -huh. kind of known as like the liminal space, you know, okay. between like beautiful, or between ugly, and it's kind of like the chaos zone. That's interesting. I think you just connected a dot for a couple dots mm -hmm. for me because I've I've I'm, I don't know that I've ever really thought about my music making in that frame, but every night when I fall asleep, I kind of look forward to that weird. Like I can tell I'm about to fall asleep when a like a nonsensical weird like oh whoa okay and I kind of get pulled back into full wakefulness sometimes if I notice it but it's it's this like really f almost like kind of fun like mental exercise I do to like and I try my best to like go into it and stay as conscious as I can you know to like get into like a lucid dream I can't mm -hmm. do it and I, I yeah. always I always like just go into the void but it's like yeah. it's still pretty fun to do that and that's interesting that you bring that up because now I'm starting to realize well that's kind of what I'm doing with making music mm -hmm. I think I've unconsciously started trying to make moods that I, I feel because it's you know it's like something I'm thinking about when I fall asleep so it's not something that's really on the forefront of my thoughts when I'm during the day so mm -hmm. that's really interesting thank you Very for bringing cool. that up that's cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I might have to name the album like liminal spaces or something like that. yeah if, if I make it it's got to be made first <laughs> <laughs> step one yeah <laughs> um so you're you're already working on the second album then? Yeah, you know, by working, I'm just making a ton of loops and jams and things uh -huh. like that. Yeah. Okay. So wait, do you do you make like when you're when you're like producing a track, like if do you kind of build a patch and record it in and then manipulate that and rearrange it? Do you multi-track a patch or like Yeah. Um sometimes I will manipulate it, but most of the time I'll listen back and I'll find a section that I, you know, just really moves me in some way, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't always know why, but I'll just be like, that's beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, or that's really ugly and amazing, you know, mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And um, I'll listen over and I'll think like, what does it really need? You know, does it need like a balance on the top end? Does it need, you know, some depth and for me to add a bass or whatever it is? And sometimes I will, you know, just play around with, you know, like a VST or something and kind of think about like, where do I want this to go? And then I'll take that kind of exploration and then layer it and add another, you mm -hmm. know, kind mm -hmm. of layer on top of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it really changes depending on what the track is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always, I love having the, the tool of like plugins 
I don't use a lot of plugins in my music, but mm -hmm. I used to a lot. I used to use like, I used to use utility plugins like noise canceling and, and stuff like that and X click stuff as effects, which was really fun. Just like, mm. can I see if I can do something interesting with these? And I, and I like having that at the that disposal. Like, mm -hmm. so I like, I like that you're open to that. Like I know there's a lot of modular purists Yeah. I, I, and I, I am so much more interested in what is going to serve this piece. Exactly. You know, like that's, that's so much more interesting to me. Um, what are, what are some of the plugins that you like to use? Um, I like using labs, um, a lot and felt instruments. Um, and a few I'm not others. familiar with either of those. Oh yeah. You should check them. They're more like, um, kind of piano mock instrument. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I use a lot of those, um, Bahala reverb. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of little things like that. And then a lot yeah. of, um, Max instruments I've been having a, like a lot of fun with. Oh, cool. So you know I how to use a, Max. That seems I mean, really daunting. Bit. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I have a little um, CV to OCD box, uh -huh. which, you know, like I can send basically MIDI to CV if I okay. want to. So nice. yeah, that's Lots of fun potential. Yeah. I just, um, I've been borrowing my friend's organelle and I want to, mm. I want to figure out pure data and ORAC because yeah. I feel like that's just like an open ended it's just crazy, like this little computer with a wooden keyboard on it and a speaker. It's I've been having a lot of fun with that. Um, but yeah, I was kind of a, not a modular purist, but it was hard for me to, I'm just now starting to like accept using some external gear other than just like my, I've, I've always wanted to make just like one case work. But mm. um, I think maybe I've just got, got to the part where, point where I maybe have gotten what I, feel like I can out of a case and now I'm ready to bring other stuff in or something. I don't know. Hmm. But um, I had a, a similar experience recently where, um, you know, I kind of, I grew up kind of just playing a little guitar. You uh -huh. know, I wasn't, I wasn't trained. My dad would play and I'd, you know, learn, you know, knocking on heaven's door or something. But I loved it, you know, or I'd like play like a bright eyes song or something. Oh in my, my room, gosh. You know? Bright eyes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, I had a really weird experience recently because I know a lot of people come to modular through playing like electric guitar and the pedal route and, you know, mm -hmm. loving feedback and things like that. I actually went back to guitar like I found my old electric guitar and started playing with it and it like clicked in a way that nice. I hadn't before. So I had like the inverse experience of um, learning modular and then guitar clicking for me. That's really interesting. That's yeah. so cool. Cause I've, I've, I had like a, a little stint of trying to get my guitar going with modular and I was having fun, but I couldn't get to where I wanted it to go. And it's probably because I've played guitar for like 25 years before I got into modular, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, maybe it's kind of like I was talking about earlier with people who are just kind of in like, Oh, I only do music this way. Maybe I, that's my own version of that. Um, but alternatively, I found that I got a new bait. I got a bass, which I've never mm. been like a bass player. And I've kind of had a similar experience of like never enjoying bass more and never feeling like I'm using it like in an interesting way until now, mm. you know, because of modular and stuff. So that's, that's really interesting. I love, I don't know. Modular is just great. Obviously I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to. 
so with the so you're kind of like not in a, I like that it sounds like you're not in a hurry to make the new album you're just kind of like I'm working on it but you're more interested in it being maybe done to the way that you think it is before you would release it a hundred percent yeah um you definitely I experienced that thing where you spend so much time working on you know, an album and you're listening to it over and over and over again, mm -hmm. you know, by the time it comes out, you're kind of sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know uh -huh. what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, so that kind of made me want to start the new album a lot more. Yeah. 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 That's, that's always something like I started tracking some stuff. In fact, with guitar, like early pandemic that I was like, this is going to be the next album, but I didn't finish anything else or didn't to where I got like, I'm kind of over that. And I was so excited about it then. And now I'm like, oh, I'm just never going to release that. And it's <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's a weird balance that you have to find. Yeah. I um, I, I, I think something that I want to do moving forward, I've always enjoyed the mixing process and I feel like I'm fairly good at it, but I'm, I'm toying with the idea of having somebody else mix my next record. So that doesn't happen because it's really the mixing process where you, you can get pretty fatigued on your own thing. Like 100%. the last full length I released by the time it was actually out because of mixing, mastering. And then like there was some tape, like actual cassettes were hard to come by. So it, it came out like six months later than it was supposed to. And I had it done before I even started shopping for labels. So like it was mm -hmm. an, a year and a half, it was done before mm -hmm. it was released. And by the time it was out, I was just kind of like, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, then, but then you like, you take a break from it and go, I, I like to go back and listen to my old stuff before mm -hmm. I start making something new to, cause I'm always kind of curious, like, am I getting better at this or do I <laughs> still like, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Do I still like what I made? And I don't know, maybe that's another like area of like overly analytical or something. Yeah, I, I feel that. And, um, like right as I was finishing up this album I had like a computer failure oh my <laughs> like <God. laughs> my um yeah it was like I basically inadvertently like my whole like drive was kind of wiped and so I lost oh my like God. all my footage because I had a lot of videos I just didn't release that were just like brought me joy <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. you know and like lots of just loops and tracks and you know all of that um, and I just completely lost it. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? That's such a nightmare. It's like everybody's worst fear. Yeah. So back up your stuff. <laughs> I know I was, I, I, I just started doing that mm -hmm. like that. Cause I, yeah. Cause I, I, I knew that I was playing with fire cause that I've just heard too many horror stories like that. And I've, uh, I've never had that happen, but I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going on like eight years of making music on computers. Like I'm very lucky that that hasn't happened yet. So I've, yeah. I've tried to be a lot more, but it's hard, you know, because like there's only so much time in a day, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I we all, you. you know, with like working day jobs or doing whatever it is that we're doing time set aside for music and album making. You don't want to be sitting there like backing stuff up and going, and I'm horrible at naming stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have to like open everything and listen to it to find out what it is. It's mm -hmm. like, when am I going to learn my lesson? Oh, yeah, I struggle <laughs> with it, too. <laughs> yeah. Do you just name stuff like cool bass drum? I used to. Yeah, it would yeah. be like, you know, um, running condo or something. If it was like a <laughs> jogging house-esque 
you know, <laughs> like song or something, you know, like, or uh-huh. yeah, Torfet, if it was like a fortet song, you know, or things like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is, is totally meaningless, like six months later. A hundred percent. What? I had this thing where I'd like everything pluralized ended with a Z because it just made me laugh. So like, it'd be like, you know bumps with a z but then like the next one i'd make would be bumps with like three z's and then i'm just like okay this is out of hand (laughs) yeah but um since i lost all of that music i just named everything like ambient jam one or something like that and so now Mm -hmm. i'm on like 72 or something (laughs) like that you know and i'm like i need to go through this (laughs) i know that's always something that i'm like i want to do but obviously i don't because i'm not doing it is like go Mm -hmm. through stuff like maybe Mm -hmm. i already have an album done you definitely do (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh but it's just so much fun more fun making the music i guess Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um i always like i have this like fantasy of like getting a, a Airbnb cabin in the woods mm-hmm. just for me and for the sole reason of going out and going through all the stuff and like mm. finding everything, like not even editing or doing anything, just finding the tracks that are going to be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not I like that, that idea. Yeah. It, it like, sounds very romantic, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And space really like impacts like at least for me, like my ability to perceive and understand, you know, music and like how receptive I am to it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even how motivated you are to do it. You know, like I find I'm a pretty cluttery person. I've got a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. I'm glad <laughs> you can't see what's in front of me right now. It's just <laughs> synths and just wires. And, um, but if I'm going to sit down and try to do something, I have to spend an hour or so creating an inviting space. hundred percent. I'm the same way. Like I have to clean up my space, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure I have some nice like coffee or tea or something, Mm -hmm. you know, set the mood. Mm -hmm. Totally. Get it all ready. That's why I think maybe like this Airbnb idea is like really important because I've told that I'm going to maybe start another podcast with a friend of mine. He's just brilliant um, about movies. I just want him to have an outlet because I think Mm -hmm. he's one of the smartest people I know. Um, and I'm like, yeah, we'll just get an Airbnb and we'll go knock out. And he's like, why would we do that? We can just do it at my apartment. I'm like, no, if we have this, you know, <laughs> it's the intent. If we have the space, like we're there for the thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, that that's really true because like, even, you know, when I have a project in mind and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go hike out to this mountain and make a track at the top of it and film it, you know, like there's something about that limitation of like, you are in that space. Yep. You know, whatever mm-hmm. you make is whatever you make during that time, you yes. know, but then it's kind of like a closed book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I, I did that with, uh, all, all through the pandemic going to Yellowstone, I had my mm-hmm. battery powered synth and like, all right, I'm going to set up in front of this geyser and it's going to go off and whatever yeah. I record when it goes off is going to be the thing. Um, so you hike, you hike up to tops of mountains with your synth. We have. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That is so, yeah. so cool. Do you have like a poly end anywhere or do you use like a, a external USB battery or something? Um, so yeah, we have like a little portable generator. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And so, nice. you know, we've done different iterations of what we bring, but, um, right now it's kind of like laptop case. We kind of bring the whole shebang. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. But um, right now I'm thinking about um, like creating a more portable system just because we're going to be going to Iceland. Oh, um, nice. In August. And I really want to get some cool modular videos in Iceland. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have this. This is everybody asks me when they see my videos what I use. This is called Mm -hmm. uh, Max Oak something. It's just a battery. And what's really cool is it has uh, has 20 volt and 12 volt outlets. So I use the 12 and it comes with all these different adapters for any sort of, you know, plug in. So actually the cord that came with this plugs directly into my 7U case. Mm-hmm. So I just need this and my my Zoom, you know, H6 that I use. So mm-hmm. I use a stereo out and uh, yeah, I can power my 7U uh, make noise case with a bunch of digital modules for like four hours with this. Wow. So it's a pretty great um, setup if you want um, if you want to have like a robust setup. The mm-hmm. the poly and anywhere is pretty decent, but you can't power very much off of it. So it'd mm. be a super minimal, mm. super, super minimal setup. It's but. funny because that's like the question I feel like I get asked the most just by people what, on what Instagram. What battery you yeah, use? Yeah, me too. Constantly. <laughs> I'd say it all the time and I'm constantly asked. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put links in the show description, guys. Stop asking us. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Final, final thing I want to talk about because we're, we're rounding up on an hour here. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're over an hour. Cool. But if you don't mind... Do you still have some time? I don't want to take yeah, too much yeah, of your time. Totally. Okay. Um, now that the world's coming back, are you going to do some modular on the spot LAs or do any live performance? Uh, I want to. Um, I saw that we had like a few recent modular on the spot LA performances, and I'm definitely planning on going to one of them at least just mm-hmm. to get a vibe. And yeah, for just sure. because I kind of found, you know, this interest during the pandemic when you know, like I haven't been to a modular show yet. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so, so exciting. This is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is so crazy. Cause I'm like listening to your music and I'm like, I would never have thought that you just got into it and that you'd never been to a modular show mm-hmm. and you're already on a label. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so awesome. And I'm very excited to hear that you're excited to play live. Cause a lot of people I know are, are nervous about it or just not that interested in it. And I just think it's such a, it's such a different experience than mm-hmm. just playing at home and rec- recording a track. Mm-hmm. And that I know the LA community is super, super tight. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I, that's going to be, I'm excited for you. That sounds yeah, awesome. I'm really excited. All right. Well, okay. So we do a patch challenge mm-hmm. on the show. Are you interested in that? Do you know what that is? Yeah, I am. I am interested. Okay, cool. I'm going to try to get you a word generated here um all right for a okay so i'm going to pick a mood which mm-hmm. is going to dictate what words are generated and i'm going to give you a few a few moods to che- uh, pick from mm-hmm. so we could do aggressive peaceful happy or sad mm-hmm. i guess aggressive and peaceful and happy and sad are pretty close but they are pretty close um I kind of want to do aggressive. I was kind of hoping you'd say yeah, aggressive. Yeah, like it's not my normal, but I, I'm interested. Oh my God. Usually they don't, um, they don't really come up. Like the generator is a little clunky sometimes, <laughs> but the first one that came out, I kind of like, but we can move on if you don't like it. Obnoxious attack. Oh, I love that. That's really That's good, great. right? Yeah. Obnoxious <laughs> attack. All right. I cannot wait to hear your obnoxious attack. Um, 
Where can we send people for all things Margot Blue? Yeah, so you can check out um, IUE's Bandcamp, or I'm also on Spotify, and um, definitely check out my YouTube, because there okay. I have kind of all of my nature videos and things like that. Okay, cool. And I'll put links uh, in the show description to all of those things. Thank you so much for oh. taking the time to chat with me. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. This was great. All right, let's check out Margot's patch challenge, Obnoxious Attack.
Okay, that's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out Margot's new album, Recurrence, on the IUWE record label. Link in the show description. Check out our YouTube page. Uh, thank you to all the sponsors, Patchworks, Needham Woodworks, After Later Audio, and Blit Blocks from Playtime Engineering. Don't forget, Patrick's is moving locations. I got the new address in the show description as well. Going to be an awesome new space. So excited to see what they do with it. Once again, thank you for your support on Patreon. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Modcast. Until next week.